The Department of Justice has appointed federal prosecutor David Weiss as special counsel so he can oversee the botched Hunter Biden investigation run by federal prosecutor David Weiss. David Weiss's meandering, years-long investigation allowed the statute of limitations to run out on major charges against Hunter before resulting in a sweetheart plea deal that immediately imploded on cursory examination in court. And now David Weiss has been assigned to oversee David Weiss to make sure David Weiss didn't get up to some kind of funny business. Because federal prosecutor David Weiss is a federal employee answerable to Hunter's father, Joe Biden, DOJ regulations require the special counsel overseeing federal prosecutor David Weiss should be someone outside the federal government, like federal prosecutor David Weiss. Attorney General Merrick Joey Bananas Garland says he appointed David Weiss to oversee David Weiss in hopes of restoring the public's diminishing trust in the integrity of the DOJ through a blatantly cynical cover-up that will spit a phlegm gob of unbridled power and corruption in the public's eye, thereby blinding them to the blatant cynicism, unbridled power and corruption that have diminished public trust in the DOJ. Special counsel David Weiss is said to have already begun his oversight of federal prosecutor David Weiss by having David Weiss question David Weiss in an old dark house that looms behind the DOJ building on Pennsylvania Avenue, where witnesses say they have heard two distinct voices engaging in the interrogation. Special counsel David Weiss, speaking in a high-pitched voice, said, quote, Listen to me, boy. I won't have this sort of corruption going on in my Justice Department, unquote to which federal prosecutor David Weiss replied, quote, Oh my God, mother, blood, blood, unquote. Congressional investigators later determined this to be an obscure and overly elaborate psycho joke that most of the audience won't get, but is still too funny to cut out. The investigators then went down to the root cellar where they found a preserved corpse sitting in a rocking chair and returned him to the White House. Addressing the Hunter Biden investigation, President and venal houseplant Joe Biden said there was not a single shred of evidence that he himself had participated in his son's influence peddling schemes, aside from his repeated calls on speakerphone during the course of Hunter's meetings, lunches and dinners with shady foreign nationals, the fact that Hunter paid his father's bills out of his ill-gotten gains and then gave him 10% of the take, and of course, repeated emails to Biden accounts with suspicious fake names like dotteringcorrupto at gmail.com and surlymcvenal at aol.com. The president made his remarks on the island of Maui, where he awoke suddenly to find himself making a speech to a group of people who look kind of sad for some reason. Assuming his famed role of empathetic comforter-in-chief, the president said, quote, what's everyone so down about? Come on, put on a happy face. Bidenomics is working. And hey, what's all this mess everywhere? I thought Hawaii was supposed to be nice, but this place is a dump, unquote. When told that there had been a horrific once-in-a-century fire and hundreds of local people might never see their loved ones again, the president added, quote, You think that's bad? I once had a kitchen fire that could have spread and damaged my 67 Corvette. After all, a Hawaiian is only Hawaiian, but a good Corvette is a drive, unquote. The president then dozed off again because he said he finds sad people sort of boring. The absolutely fair-minded news media welcomed word that the totally honest special counsel David Weiss would be overseeing the also totally honest federal prosecutor David Weiss during his completely unbiased investigation of the thoroughly innocent President Biden's totally unsuspicious dealings with an influence-peddling crack cocaine addict who was selling Joe's name for millions of dollars and sending him 10% of the take. Eugene Robinson of the Washington Post, where democracy dies in the ideological corruption of Eugene Robinson of the Washington Post, said, quote, when I look at Joe Biden, I see a loving father and a strong leader because I'm blinded by my ideological corruption, unquote. Robinson was immediately appointed special counsel to oversee special counsel David Weiss. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Here we are laughing our way through the total collapse of Western civilization. This is a perfect time before the temple collapses, killing all the Philistines and us with them uh, to subscribe to Andrew Clavin's YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel. You will get my personal exclusive material delivered straight to your home. Uh, I will come down the chimney dressed in a red outfit 
uh, steal your children and leave you exclusive material. And if you leave a comment and that comment is absolutely disgusting morally uh, and ethically, we will read it on the air because it will fit right in with the rest of our material. Today's comment is from Ray Barry, 4307 saying that was a much more sophisticated and compassionate attempt to get people to vote for DeSantis than Benjamin's almost unhinged, clearly irritated anti-Trump rants every day. So bravo, good sir, bravo, still voting for the Donald. Uh, you know, I'm really not trying to get you to vote for DeSantis. I'm just calling it like I see him. So that's what I'm trying to do. Please go out and or stay in, go to your computer and pre-order the new Cameron Winter Mystery, which will be out in October, at the end of October, The House of Love and Death. I think these books, these books have been bestsellers, but they've been on the USA Today list, which is the only fair bestseller list. We're trying to get them on the New York Times list, which will secure their position as a series, and the series will go on for at least 10 books if I survive. Uh, you know, they're I think they're some of the best mysteries I've ever written. Some of the be- I think they're some of the best crime novels anybody's written in quite a long time. But they also have a theme, and that theme is a, a, it's the story the over the books. It's the unfolding story of a man trying to figure out how to become a good man in a country where all of the authorities and all of the powers have collapsed into corruption and evil, which brings me to the subject of today's episode. So while I'm saying today's episode, please pre-order The House of Love and Death. Today's episode is the debate between faith and fear. I'm so scared right now, you shut up! (laughs) We will talk today about how Joe Biden shot down Trump's plane and Putin indicted Prigozhin. And maybe it was the other way around. I'm starting to get these guys confused. Plus, who completely lost the debate? And I will tell you why all our problems are women's fault. So you know I'm a real man like Andrew Tate and Bronze Age Pervert. Because if there's one thing real men can't stand, it's women. Those icky females with their smooth, shapely bodies and those faces you can't get out of your mind. And all that sweetness and generosity. I hate that because I'm a real man. Booyah. When you look in the mirror, do you see dark spots? That's all I see. I just see a big dark spot. It's like being a vampire. But you may have dark spots on your face or skin. They're not going away on their own. You need help from GenuCell's Dark Spot Corrector. The Dark Spot Corrector has not one, but three cutting-edge ingredients. It goes to work fast on sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, and even old discoloration, both on your face and hands. You'll be amazed at how quickly you'll see results. You can now enjoy... The sun, the beach, barbecues, without embarrassing spots with GenuCell, you'll see the results or your money back, no questions asked. Go to GenuCell.com slash Clavin right now. Get your dark spot corrector with the new GenuCell most popular package and say goodbye to those pesky spots tomorrow. They're offering free shipping, free returns, and the best luxury skincare you've ever used, all at 70% off. All orders will also include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. That's genucell.com slash Clavin. I know you're saying, ooh, ooh, that sounds so good, but how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Chapter one, terror at 20,000 feet. I am not imagining it. There's a man out there. I am telling you right now, that mother f- that mother f- back there is not real. <laughs> All right, so it's like one show, right? It's the old Twilight Zone episode and that lady. So last week I said something that I think is central to the moment, so I'm going to repeat it, which is that America can't die because America is us. But for America to live, we have to be America. That is, we have to live out the meaning of our creed in our homes and in our towns and in our states because political salvation is not going to come from above. I know everybody is fascinated by the election. Everybody's wrapped up in Donald Trump. That is not going to save us. It, is, it simply isn't. Last week, Yevgeny Prigozhin's jet was shot down. He was the guy who staged that coup in, on Putin in June, and then he was on the road to Moscow, and he called it off at the last minute, and he and Putin were supposed to make up. And even I was wondering, when they seemed to actually make up, I was wondering, was the entire coup just a you know, a trick that Putin was playing to show how powerful he was? But uh, I guess not, because, you know, because I kept thinking, if it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a trick, if it wasn't a, a hoax or a troll— Prigozhin was going to fall out of a window. So I guess he took the window seat on this airplane because suddenly the airplane goes off the radar and the next time we see it, it's mysteriously missing a wing. 
and it crashes. An hour later, Putin gives a speech uh, and doesn't even mention the crash, which I, I have to say is gangster, that's godfather level cold. Uh, so Prigozhin now sleeps with the fishes. Now, this week, an ideologically corrupt county prosecutor in Georgia indicted Donald Trump and his attorneys. This is his fourth indict- indictment. It's a completely corrupt indictment. I'm not even going to talk about it. I've talked about it before. I read it, every word of it. Uh, it's not a legal document. It's a political hit. All the indictments, as far as I'm concerned, are trash, except for the one about the classified documents. And that's trash because Hillary did much worse and she got away with it. So it's simply not fair. So I think that each and every American can now put our hands on our hearts and say with great pride, our country is better than Russia because at least President Sirleaf McVenal and his corrupt minions didn't shoot down Trump's plane. They just indicted him. So that, that's a positive, right? I think, come on, come on. Where's your national pride? This is where patriotism comes in. The corruption at the top of this government has reached Chicago levels. This is what Obama's doing. He brought in Chicago-style governing and to D.C. And this is the level of corruption I've talked about before, where the corrupt start to brag about it because the corruption is the message. The message is we can do whatever we want. When Trump turned himself in, uh, for arrest and processing in Georgia, President Dottering Corrupto tweeted this, put out this tweet where he says, oh, apropos of nothing, I think today's a great day to give to my campaign. So in other words, what he's saying is I corruptly got my opponent corruptly indicted. So hooray, give me money. He's telling you that he's corrupt and that's his power. And those who love him will say, oh boy, Biden has the power of his corruption. Now, Trump fought back. And I got to tell you, the regime does not get this. They think, oh, you know, we were supposed to humiliate him. That was going to be humiliating. And he put out this epic, epic mugshot. Jenna Ellis did the same thing. She put out her glamour mugshot. I told her she should only do, from now on, she should just do OnlyFans mugshots. Uh, (laughs) Trump said this after he surrendered himself. This is cut 14. I really believe this is a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows that I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So every word of that is true, and it makes him look great. It makes him look like a martyr, and he certainly seems on track to be nominated. You know, we can't tell the future, but right now the polls look like that. I still think he's likely to lose the general. People keep, you know, some of you write to me and say, oh, you hate Trump and this and that. I, I don't hate Trump. I think he did a wonderful thing. I think he is, was, was a godsend. I think, I, I don't think he's the man for the future. But who knows? You know, I'm, I'm telling, I call him like I see him. I'm telling you what I think. I think he's going to lose the general election. And I think that's a bad thing. But here is the thing. I think it matters in the short run who becomes president. Of course, that matters. But in the long run, the president, the government is not America. You are. I am. We are. What matters is who we become. What matters is, that matters not just in the long run, but in the eternal run, because we'll all stand before God. That's another thing some of you write to me and say that, you know, I don't want to hear you talk about God because I don't believe in all that God stuff. I'm older than you. I'm wiser than you. I'm telling you all the God stuff is completely true. It's completely true. Stop believing what the world tells you. The world not only, the world not only lies, the world is lies. I'm telling you the truth, and you got to have faith because it's fear that got us here. It is fear that got us here every step of the way. And without faith, fear is all that's left. So here's the situation we're in. Our elites are corrupt. Our government is under occupation by an authoritarian cabal. People can call him socialist. They're more fascist than socialist, but they're authoritarian. The administration doesn't believe in the founding. They keep calling us systemically racist. They powerful multinational corporations uh, like Google don't believe in free speech, and neither does the administration. Our Congress isn't doing the job of making laws that we're able to read and understand. Our attorney general does not believe in the rule of law. All he believes in is the law of rule. The hell of the head of the FBI is a dirty cop. Our news media does not believe in speaking the truth. And the administrative state doesn't believe in free states and it doesn't believe in free individuals. You would be a fool not to be afraid of these people. These are powerful, 
powerful people and they hate you and they want to stomp on your freedoms. You would be a fool not to worry about the security and freedom of your family, but you would be a bigger fool, a titanic fool, the ultimate fool, if you surrender to your fear. Our leaders are gone, and America is still here because you are America, which means you have to have faith and you want your country back. You have no choice because everything, everything, I'm serious about this. Everything now depends on you. It depends on individuals. It depends on who you are, on how you live, on what you do and say day to day. So I'm going to take a look now at the Republican candidates and the debate and all that, but I'm not going to look at who they are. I'm going to look at what they say about us and what we want from them. Are you a few years, or like me, several centuries out of school and wondering, what the heck did I even learn, and what was the point, and where am I? You might think to yourself that you don't have the time to learn something new. If that's you, know this. You're not alone. It's not. Too late. Since 1844, I was there. Hillsdale College has been providing education in faith, freedom, and character. They've taken some of the core classes they teach on campus and made them available for free online for anyone who wants to learn. That is right. They're free. There are 39 free courses to choose from, ranging from the U.S. Constitution, the Book of Genesis, I didn't have to take that, I was there too, to free market economics. They're easy to follow and they're self-paced so you can start whenever you want. In fact, you can start right now. It's everything you need all in one place with no long-term commitment. Let Hillsdale College be your guide. Learn when and where you want. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Claven to enroll. There's no cost. It's easy to get started hillsdale.edu slash Claven to register, hillsdale.edu slash Claven. And you're thinking, do I have to take the class to learn how to spell Claven? No, I will tell you, it's K-L-A-V-A-N, no E's in Claven. There are no E's in Chapter two, debate destroys DeSantis. It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delectable, it's delirious, it's dilemma, it's the limit, it's deluxe, it's the lovely. <laughs> All right. Just, I play that because the debate was to end of DeSantis. I, I, I'm not predicting the future. DeSantis' polls have gone up after the debate in Iowa, gone fairly sharply up. But no one else is saying this, so maybe I'm wrong, but I thought this debate was the worst thing DeSantis has done so far. And I think he's going to lose unless he makes radical changes. If if I could crown the next president of the United States, like the Pope used to crown kings, it would be DeSantis. I think he's the best man for the job. And I believe he'll be president one day. But there were two minutes that I think just put the mark of Cain on this guy if he does not turn himself around. One was when Brett Baer asked who would support Trump, if he was the nominee, and you can see, if you're watching, you can see it, the people raise their hands, and DeSantis looks around to see what the basic opinion is, and then he raises a hand. People were saying, well, it's no big deal. That's a big, big deal. You've got to know who you are. I, you know, I don't care what his answer is. I don't care if he says he'll support him or not. He can make his, let him, I will listen to his argument. Let him make his argument, but you got to know it, and you got to say who you are. That's what integrity is, and that is what we're looking for from our leaders because that is what we are looking for from ourselves. A lot of, you know, well, let me let me play the other the other uh, moment that I think was really bad for him. Uh, this was about uh, January 6th and whether uh, Mike Pence had done the right thing by allowing the votes to go through. There's cut three. Do you believe that Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th? So here's what we need to do. We need to end the weaponization of these federal agents. Right. But that's and not I will question. do that. That's not the question. Here, I, I know, but here's the thing. You're gonna answer this the election <laughs> is not about January 6th of 2021. It's about January 20th of 2025. Again, I am telling you that Mofo is not real, right? I mean, look, I don't care if he thinks Pence did right. I have my opinions. If he thinks Pence did wrong, I don't care. Whatever he says, I want to know what he believes and I want to hear him say it. You can't, it's just weaselly to do that stuff. Now, this is something that happens, I think it happens to every man at some point in his life. Every man of substance at some point in his life is going to face a moment when he thinks that he can get the gold ring, he can get the prize by becoming less than he should be. And I think we all fail in that first try. But 
you can come back from it if you say to yourself, gee, I never want to feel that shame again. If you say to yourself, well, I got the prize, I got the million bucks, so now that's the way I'm going to behave, then you're lost. But I think, like, if he thinks about this, this is that movie, The Candidate. I don't know if you ever saw that Robert Redford movie. He is obviously surrounded by consultants, and he is listening to them, and he should tell them to go away. He's just done a great job as governor. He should go out there and say what he thinks, and if people don't like him, then they won't vote for him, and that's not the end of the world. The end of the world is when you cease to be yourself. Now, a lot of people are saying Vivek won the debate, and I actually don't agree with this, uh, they, but, but that's what they like about him. He said stuff when a kid from Yaf asked him about climate change. He said stuff like this, cut five. No, climate I didn't change agenda is a hand. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change oh, agenda whoa, 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 whoa. is a That's hoax. Ridiculous. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. Now, this stuff about everybody's bought and paid for, that's garbage. He's, he acted like a child with that stuff, with the, the kind of jabs, and he was the only independent, and he was the, the you know, funny-looking guy. It was just, it was just, that part was just awful. But the part about climate change being a hoax, that's a fact, Jack. I mean, that is, a, you know, that is the real thing, and they are destroying, not just destroying the economy with it, they are turning the economy into a fascist economy where corporations ostensibly free, have to do what the government says to get their hands on that sweet, sweet green energy money. And it's affecting all of Europe. It's affecting, and it's not just here, that thing that was sold to us as the Inflation Reduction Act is in fact the Green New Deal. And it's pouring all this money into this bogus stuff that cannot possibly create the energy we need and ignores the facts. I mean, this is uh, Jorn Lomborg, who's the one person on this I actually trust, he says that climate catastrophes are skewed to show that there's many more of them over the last century. But when you measure the deaths, which is the important thing, large-scale deaths have been consistently recorded. The disaster data space death toll uh, is very close to official estimates. Over the, over the last a century ago, almost half a million people died on average each year from storms, floods, droughts, wildfires, and extreme temperatures. Over the next 10 decades, global annual deaths from these causes declined 96% to 18,000. In 2020, they dropped to 14,000. The more money we have made because we're using fossil fuels, the more places get built, the more buildings there are. So there's more uh, pl populated places that get hit by storm storms. But there's also more power to build better buildings. There's more power to protect people. People are dying less because of the climate. The climate is not going to blow us away. This is simply a means of scaring you into taking control. And the people who actually, you know, people who speak these truths that we all know in our hearts are the people we turn to because it means they are, they're at least saying what they think. If, if, you, if you believe in climate control, in climate uh, change and that climate change is a catastrophe, you should say it. It's up to us. See, who are these people afraid of? They're afraid of us. They're afraid of losing our vote. Yes, you know, you have to be charming. You have to be articulate. You have to make your case, but make your case for what you believe because we're sick of all these people lying to us. That is the problem. We're looking for integrity in our homes. We're looking for integrity in our lives. All of us struggle with this. It is always difficult to uh, fight off the temptation to get that thing in front of you that you want, a new job, a big sale, a girl, whatever it is that you want. It's tough not to lie in that moment. It's tough on all of us, and all of us make mistakes. But politicians just become, it just becomes rote for them. But somewhere underneath that, there has got to be the real man who knows what he did. Listen, just leaving out what you think of people. What, what your opinions of these people are, what your opinions of their histories are. The people who did the best in this debate were Nikki Haley and Mike Pence. They're never going to win, and they're never going to, I'll tell you why in a minute, but and I know many of you hate Mike Pence and all that stuff, and that's fine, but I'm just saying they said, they came to say what they wanted to say, and they said it. And when Nikki Haley took Vivek down on foreign policy, she was absolutely right. This is the problem with Vivek. He says a lot of things that I agree with, and he's incredibly smart and incredibly articulate, but when he actually tells you his policies, they're ridiculous. Uh, and this is what how Nikki Haley hit back against him. And she was right, it's cut 11. 
A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. Now, what I like about this so much is that Nikki Haley knows that a lot, a lot of Republicans don't want to be in Ukraine. And they're saying, why are you spending money over there? It's another endless war. Why are we in these endless wars? I, my personal opinion is we did the right thing going in, in Ukraine, but we're doing it in the wrong and incompetent way. I'd rather we didn't do it than do what we're doing, which is the usual thing we're fighting to lose. We're building another Vietnam, another Afghanistan by sending them stuff, but not sending them enough stuff. I don't want to see a single American die for Ukraine, but I think we should help them win if we can, because I think Nikki Haley is right. You know, these things do come to your door eventually, and Russia and China are the same thing, and Russia and China are also Syria, and these are things we're going to have to fight. That time is coming. I'm sorry. I wish we could all huddle in our shells. But but even if you disagree with her, you got to admire her for coming out and saying what she has to say. And this is what I admire about it. Here is the problem with both Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and a lot of other people on the stage whose names you can't even remember. Here is a cut six when Vivek is talking about, you know, the fact that the government is so corrupt and people can't live out the American dream. And Pence and he get in this squabble. It's cut six. We don't have an identity crisis, Vivek. We're not looking for a new national identity. The American people are the most faith-filled, freedom-loving, idealistic, hard-working people the world has ever known. We just need government as good as our people. Well, Mike, I think the difference is you might have, some others like you may have on the stage, it's morning in America speech. It is not morning in America. We live in a dark moment, and we have to confront the fact that we're in an internal sort of cold cultural civil you war. You are equating the American people with the failed win. government in Washington, D.C. We just need government as good as our people again. So, I can, so let me just finish addressing that slogan, because I don't know what that slogan means. We need to shut down the administrative state, that's actually how we translate it. Crime has been on the rise. See, here's the thing. That that moment tells you everything about why guys like Mike Pence and Nikki Haley are not going to put their numbers on the board that they need. That moment that Pence is talking about is gone. That old Republican moment is gone because the old American moment is gone. They're using the Justice Department to indict their political opponent. They are taking over businesses and forcing them to go woke, basically coercing them into going woke. They're, they're lighting up the White House with rainbow flags. This is not a moment for new, it is a moment for new policies. I mean, Pence isn't wrong. We need a better government. Of course, that's true. But he's wrong that we can be led out of corruption by simple policies. We need to reform a broken system. And then when Vivek talks about the administrative state, he is right. We saw Trump come in and the entire force of the government ignore what he wanted to do, the policies that he wanted to put in, oppose what he wanted to do, thwart what he wanted to do. That's not how the country is supposed to work. That was the voice of the people that got him elected according to the Constitution. You do what the executive says to do. But they're saying, no, Joe Biden is going out and saying, I'm going to fix these student loans. I'm going to pay off the student loans after the Supreme Court said it's unconstitutional. And people are actually on TV saying, well, don't pay attention to the Supreme Court. They're not a real Supreme Court. These guys have lost the plot of America. And yes, we, you know, Pence is right. We need a better government. But you have got to go in there and do a purge. You have got to close down the Department of uh, Education. You've got to close down the EPA. These places have got to be shrunk and shrunk and shrunk again. These people have to be thrown out onto the streets and, and, and their Rolodex uh, thrown away and burned. You know, th- this, is a, this is a true moment of, of crisis, not because... You know, of course, because of policy, of course, policy matters. But there is something structurally wrong with the government right now. The uh, not only are the elites corrupt, but the Congress isn't doing its job. So the thing is, we're in a relationship with these people. They're afraid of us. They're afraid if they say what they believe and and what they'll really do, that we won't like them and we won't vote for them. And they're right. 
If we don't like their policies, we won't like them and we won't vote for them. But what we hate about them is when they can't actually say what they mean. You know, I, I admired Nikki Haley when she said, look, you, you can't pass a, an abortion ban and because we don't have 60 uh, votes in the Senate. You know, that's just that's just the truth. But I want to know, I don't want to hear just I'm pro-life. I want to know what she thinks ultimate, where we think ultimately this is going. You know, the, the abortion thing is going. Is it something we want to handle federally? Is that your policy? Just tell me, explain it to me. Tell me your logic. I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready to believe you. But if you're going to look around to see whether you should raise your hand, whether everybody else is raising your hand, if you're going to say, oh, I'm not going to answer this question about January 6th because too many people will hate me, everybody, everybody is worried about the MAGA people. And look, the MAGA people can be intransigent, but intransigent, but that's the, that's the state of play. All of us, all of us want things that we can't have by being honest. All of us. Everybody wants stuff you cannot get if you are honest and decent. In fact, the more honest and decent you are, the harder certain things are going to be. Popularity is not going to be as easy to get if you are an honest, straightforward person with integrity. Sometimes you you win. Sometimes we get that guy. You get a Winston Churchill. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes he just has to go back into exile because the people aren't ready. But the thing, but the thing is this. If we want integrity from our leaders— we have to listen. We have to let. We have to have integrity. We have to let them say what they have to say. We can't just say, "I'm out. I'm done." You insulted Trump. You're not loyal. That that, by the way, that meme that you're not loyal if you're running against Trump. That is the most childish crap I've ever heard. This is a country. Adults run for president in the country. They're not. You're not bound to Donald Trump. None of us owes Donald Trump a thing. We do not owe him a thing. So again, I'm not telling you not to love Trump. I can see where he's lovable, and I'm going to talk about him more in a moment. And I can see why he's lovable. I'm going to talk about that too. All I'm saying is these guys are afraid of us. We have to make it so at least, at least they can speak their minds. And those who can't just have to get off the bus. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Of course you did. Just look at me. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having a consistent nighttime routine is non-negotiable. If you're struggling with sleep, check out Beam. Beam's top-selling Beam Dream has a new formula. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium theanine, and Apigenin to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and help you wake up refreshed. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. And today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's delicious Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa and chocolate peanut butter, better sleep has never tasted better. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin for up to 40% off. What good is it to know how to spell Beam, you're saying to yourself, if you don't know how to spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So let's look at Trump in, in chapter three, Trumpity Trump Trump. Tucker Carlson's interview with Donald Trump, which was going on basically at the same time as the debate, was amazing in some good and some bad ways. And to take a look at both is, is really revelatory. First of all, the last time I looked, it had over 250 million impressions, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of like likes. This is the good news. This is great news. Our media is so corrupt. It's so dishonest. Their coverage of the Maui fire is un it's non-coverage. It's, it's non-coverage. The malfeasance of the mayor there, the incompetence of the police, the absolutely disgraceful lack of attention from Joe, no comment, Biden, and then that disgusting speech he made about the fire in his kitchen and the, the, the way the media covers it up. People don't even know about this, but if they don't know about it unless they're on social media, but everyone's on social media. And as long as Elon Musk is running Twitter, they're not trying to X. As long as he's running X, they're not trying to sue him to get him off X. But th that truth is going to go out. Listen, I've said this for years. It's, it's more and more true. It's like the last scene of Singing in the Rain. The media sit there with their faces hanging out, mouthing the regime's opinions. And they think we can't see that the regime 
is singing behind them, but the curtain is open now because of the internet. And that's why they're working so hard to silence us. That's why the government went out of its way to silence Hunter Biden's laptop, you know, to make sure that uh, Google is, is suppressing any information about GOP candidates. When you search for them, you have to go and look for them. They're just not there. The most obscure Democrat will come up on Google before, it's, you know, and that is election interference. But the thing is, just like we are America, we are the news media now. We actually can make news and spread news and get news and find news and report news with our cameras. I mean, this is what Breitbart was teaching us years and years ago. He would hold up his phone and say, every one of you has the capacity to be a journalist, be a journalist, and that is what is happening when we can get past. It doesn't matter how many times YouTube shuts down debate about transgenderism. What do they think history is going to say about them? What does history say about all the liars and all the censors? It's what it's going to say about Google when it hides the names of Republicans. They are all on borrowed time, so good for Tucker and congratulations to him. Fox is losing viewers, as they should, for firing him. And Tucker is is building a new form of media with Elon Musk's help. Now, Trump, this is a perfect example of why people love him. Because he speaks what's in his head. And and this is the thing. I, I, I was saying before, it matters, of course, whether you're right or wrong. And it matters whether you have principle. But all that put aside, the first thing is you have to have integrity. You have to have the integrity to say, to know who you are and to say who you are. And the hilarious thing about Donald Trump, this always cracks me up about him, is even when he displays the fact that he doesn't have a lot of principles, he'll say, I have no principles. He comes out, so help me, he will come out and say, uh, I've heard him say this. He'll say, oh, the vaccine was excellent. I can't say the vaccine was excellent because people don't think the vaccine is excellent, so I can't say it because they won't like it, but the vaccine was excellent. Like, like, what did you just say? It's like, he, you know, the fact that he can't shut up has hurt him numerous times, and it's hurt us numerous times. But it's also comically a, a kind of integrity. Even when you, if you sit there and say, yeah, I have no integrity, th- that is a kind of integrity. At least he's not afraid to say what he thinks in all of us, because that is what most Americans are like. You know, you get off the coast, you get out of New York, you get out of L.A., and certainly get out of Washington, D.C., you find people are very blunt, very decent, very straightforward in this country, and Trump represents that. And it, it, it because of, you know because he's like that, he'll say ugly stuff about people he's he's who are beneath him. You know he shouldn't be saying you know ugly stuff about some guy who's lower down than than him. But it, at least we say like that's what's in his head. You know what's in his head. The, compare that to DeSantis, who would make a much better president. He will be much better at governing and has a much better chance of beating Biden. But compare him to a guy looking over to see who's raising their hands before he raises his hands. Trump would never do that. So then he speaks these simple truths like he's talking about Biden here is cut eight. I think he's the most corrupt president we've ever had. And he also has the distinction of being the most incompetent. And I believe both. I mean, he's both incompetent and corrupt. So I I actually believe he's compromised because China knows so much about him. They know where the money comes from. They know where it is, who paid it and. They probably paid it. Well, they do pay Penn, and he gets a you know a million dollars. I think it takes nine hundred ninety-nine thousand dollars because you know keeps it a little bit under a million, like by a dollar. But he, in many ways, is a Manchurian candidate. <laughs> now, now, as always with Trump, you know he's a loose cannon. You know, Biden was getting I think nine hundred thousand dollars from Penn, and China was making contributions to Penn. But we also know, or we're close to knowing, that Biden was taking money through influence peddling from China. So he's he's absolutely fair to say what he says. It's a perfectly fair charge. But here is the other thing about this. And this is the thing the press doesn't understand. And if they do understand it, it doesn't matter because they can't help themselves. The press is so corrupt and so dishonest when they sit there and tell us, oh, there's not a shred of evidence. They actually were saying this. They were saying, you know, oh, Biden was just making these phone calls to Hunter at the meeting because their son had died. It was so sad and he loves his son and all that. You know, come on. I mean, (laughs) the guy is an influence peddling punk. He's a corrupt president. He's doddering corrupto. When the press is that corrupt, what Trump says has the force of a double-barrel shotgun. One barrel is that it's true that Biden is corrupt, and the other barrel, barrel is that it's refreshing to hear it when everyone around you is lying, when the elites are so dishonest, when the government is so corrupt. Even the fact that Trump is sometimes unprincipled but will say that he's unprincipled is refreshing. It is refreshing. And then there's this. This is the other thing. 
Part of the way these dishonest people work, this our, our now corrupt government works, and it, it breaks my heart to talk about the government like this because our government, you know, government is always a pain in the neck. Government is always overreaching. Government is always doing all of these things. But government is not always indicting its political opponents. That has never happened before in this country. And this is an absolute step into deep, deep water, because how do you come back from the injuries that he is, they are doing to the voters who love Trump when they charge him with absolute baloney? Uh, you know, how do you come back from that injury? So, but the way these guys, these guys do it is they always talk in terms of virtue, right? They're, this is a dirty, corrupt, un-American regime, and they're always telling us that's not who Americans are. And, you know, they put, they light up the White House with rainbow colors. And you know, I like gay people. I, I, I think gay people should be left alone to be who they are and do what they do. I think it's awful to oppress them. But I got to tell you something. I don't give a rat's ass what the government thinks about morality because they're corrupt. I, I see them light up the, the White House and I think, you have no moral weight. You have no moral position to stand on and talk to me about what's right and wrong. I, you know, I would much, much rather talk to an honest uh, Catholic or, or Protestant who says, no, this is a sin. And I think it's, you know, you, you should always say it's a sin. And I, I'll have that debate with anybody. But I'm not going to have it with some corrupt gangster piece of garbage who took money from China and Ukraine, who silences people on Twitter, who indicts his political. <laughs> it's, like it's like taking moral advice from Al Capone, you know. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you what you should do, son. This is how you should treat your wife. You're a gangster. Forget it. It's so offensive. So they're always telling us what we have to do and what we have to do to be good people and all this stuff. And Trump <laughs> says, who wants the stuff they're selling? This is cut nine. Who wants high taxes? Who wants high interest rates? Who wants to not be able to use a gas stove or have to drive an electric car, which, you know, you have a four hour drive, but the car only goes an hour and a half, so you have to charge it. The happiest moment for somebody in an electric car is the first 10 minutes. In other words, you get it charged, and now for 10 minutes. The unhappiest part is the next hour because you're petrified that you're not gonna be fine to another charger. People. I'm saying if people, I'm not knocking electric cars, they're fine, they're fine. But if people want to buy a gasoline car or hybrid, hybrids are pretty good, actually, but they should be allowed to buy, they don't want to do any of this. There's <laughs> just, just something hilarious about this because we keep talking about, oh, we have to, you know, subsidize electric cars. Graft, that's just graft, that's all it is, it's graft. You don't have to subsidize electric cars. If people want electric cars, They'll buy them. If they can make them cheap enough, they'll buy them. If, as long as they cost too much and don't really save you anything and aren't really that great, people can't buy, can't, people can't afford to buy them. This is graft. So the fact that he just says nobody wants the stuff you're giving them is important. It's important to know that because that was the thing that Obama did. He forced things down people's throats. All the Democrats were voted out of office except for Obama because people liked him. And and now we're stuck with things like Obamacare. We don't want to get stuck with these people telling us we can't take a shower, we can't have our gas stove. It is absolutely ridiculous. And it's so refreshing to hear somebody say it. Now, what's wrong with this interview? And you're not going to like it, but I got to tell you this. Tucker, and I really like Tucker. I think he's a force for good for the country. I think what he did, he's doing here is really good. He blew this thing. He did not ask a single challenging question. This is a controversial figure. This is a, a man who needs to be questioned, who needs to be held to account. This is a guy who, who you know, goes off and does things on his own and needs to be, we need to know what he's thinking. That's his job. You know, this is his job. This, it was a Trump campaign ad. He sat there for 45 minutes, and that's not journalism. That is not doing what, what that's Tucker's job. You know, Tucker pointed out, Recently, that Trump has fundraised off January 6th and made millions of dollars, but he hasn't contributed a single penny to the defense funds of any of the January 6th prisoners. During the election, Tucker said this behind the scenes. He said, what, what Trump's good at is destroying things. He's the undisputed world champion of that. He could easily destroy us at Fox if we play it wrong. He didn't talk to him about that. Tucker said of Trump's presidency, we're all pretending we've got, this is behind the scenes, right? We're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it because admitting what a disaster it's been is too tough to digest. But come on, there really isn't an upside to Trump. He didn't say anything like that. He asked basically servile questions. Do you think you'll be assassinated? Do you think we'll have a civil war? On air, on air, Carlson, during his show, said, 
false claims of fraud in the election are every bit as destructive as the fraud itself. The fraud that we can confirm does not seem to be enough to alter the election results. We should be honest and tell you that. He said that into a camera. Why didn't he say it to Trump? Because he's afraid. Because he's afraid of you. He's afraid of losing you. If, if you're not going to listen to the tough questions, if you're not going to listen to politicians being held to account, they won't be held to account. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get integrity from the top if you don't give it to them. They need it from you. The courage they need has to come from you. Trump has this thing where he will say anything, which I really admire, but he feels the minute he's asked a tough question, he has been betrayed. That's narcissism. He is a narcissist. If you tell people to lie, they will. If you tell me you're not going to listen to me because I said something you don't like when I, I, I'm obviously only telling you the truth, as I see it, I, I can make mistakes, but I am telling you what I see, then people are not going to want to tell you what they see. Do it to your friends. Tell them, you know, if you tell me, if you tell me I look fat in this dress, I mean, that's what we're, everybody's acting like. You're acting like, don't tell me I look fat in this dress. You know, your friends tell you this stuff. The good people tell you this stuff. You want integrity, and integrity starts with you, and freedom starts with you, and that's why it's all women's fault. Final chapter, it's all women's fault. Now, some of what I'm going to say, you know, the main point that I want to make here does come from me, but a lot of the information here comes from a terrific Substack uh, column this week by my friend Glenn Reynolds. Glenn is the guy who made Instapundent. It was one of the first really huge blogs. We used to call him the blog father. Um, when when he mentioned you, if he mentioned your book or your article that you wrote, you got what was called an instalanche. Now blogs obviously are less popular than they were, but he's still writing terrific stuff at Instapundit. Um, it's instapundit.substack.com. And this column that he wrote was called Neurosis and the Curly Effect. Now, you've noticed, I know that people don't like to talk about the pandemic and don't like to think back on the lockdown, but you've noticed that they're starting to talk about masks again. Lionsgate Film Studios said they're going to have a mask mandate. I went to an eye doctor and they wanted masks. There's a college in Atlanta, says they're going to have a mandate in a hospital in California. We know that masks don't work. Jeffrey Anderson, another friend of mine, he has, he's uh, got the American Main Street Initiative. He's a statistician. He was in the Trump administration. He says the best scientific evidence continues to suggest that masks don't work. Meantime, the public health establishment continues to ignore that evidence. Public health officials also remain almost completely blind to mask profoundly adverse effect on human interaction and quality of life. Seeing others' faces and showing one's own are at the heart of human social life. Masks were an atrocity, and they did not work. And to do it to children was an atrocity and a moral atrocity. To bar people from restaurants if they didn't have vaccines and to bar them if they wouldn't wear masks. And this country still hasn't recovered, not from the pandemic, from the idiocy of the media and the authorities and the experts. They blew it, and they have never taken responsibility to it for it. Now, remember, it's a virtue to be afraid. That's what they're telling you. And can you remember when Governor DeSantis a, a, a year ago, some, he went into a meeting and some students were wearing masks and he, he just said, take those stupid masks off. It's a great moment. When it, that's, that's what I mean. See, he has those moments. Those are fantastic. It's cut 13. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Tonight, more fallout after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis admonished a group of high school students Wednesday. Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. <laughs> Highlighting yet again the bitter divide over face masks. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. And what they represent. <laughs> Eric Marshall was one of those students. I almost jumped out of my skin. I was really appalled. His mother, Dawn, who's immunocompromised, was furious by what the governor said mean Governor DeSantis. Remember, it was a virtue to be afraid. I got to play this clip. I've played this a million times. It was my favorite clip because it just makes, humiliates these people. Remember when Trump got COVID and he came in and he pulled off his mask and he, he tweeted out, don't be afraid. Don't let it dominate your life. This was the media's response. Cut 12. President Trump wrote on Twitter, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh my goodness, Nicole, when I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh, 
cruel. Jake, this is this is so disrespectful. I'm not even sure I can I can speak about this. It's incredibly uh, incredibly disrespectful. What does that mean? Don't be afraid of it. I mean, first of all, it, it's it's a contagious disease that kills people. There, there's nowhere to even begin. It's gross. Don't tell your supporters. Don't be afraid of COVID. Everyone should be afraid of COVID. It's okay to be afraid of COVID, and it's okay that that it's dominating your life because. Y- it has dominated your life. <laughs> well, we have nothing to fear but not fearing things. That's, that's our media. And look, this is the problem with Mike, what Mike Pence was saying about a government as good as his people. The people were afraid. The people did shut down. They were soft. They let their churches be closed. They demanded their churches be closed. They demand, They screamed at each other on the streets. They were weak. They were puling. They let the government control them with fear. So we, you know, it, it, we, we really need to reform the culture as well as the government. That's why when you, Vivek says it's a dark time, he's right about this. All right. So what does this have to do with women? Here is the great statistician, Michael Barone. And as I said, a lot of this comes from Glenn's Substack, excellent Substack column. Here's Michael Barone. In general, women are more risk-averse than men and thus more supportive of welfare state measures and more reluctant to support military action. It's funny, people just used to talk offhandedly about a woman's fears. Now you're not supposed to say that, but it's just true. They are also, as we have seen on female-dominated campuses, more willing to suppress speech that is seen as irritating or hurtful. Highly educated women, as Australian educator Lorenzo Warby writes, are proving all too willing to trash other people's freedoms to protect their emotions. Surveys show that after 50 years of feminism, American women are increasingly likely to report themselves as unhappy, a characteristic especially marked in unmarried young, liberal women with no religious connection. So let me pause on that for a minute, all right? This is a very specific type of woman, and one of the things she has is no religious connection. Without faith, there is only fear. When you are, every day we walk on water. Every day we know that we could die. Every day we know that we could die forever. Every day we know that every risk we take, every car we drive, every smile we smile could kill us. We are walking on water, and when you lose your faith, you sink in the water, as Peter did in the Bible. Jesus came walking on the water, and he said, it's me, don't be afraid. If you don't believe in that me, you are going to be afraid. Now, evidence is growing. This is from Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times, a former newspaper. Evidence is growing that Americans are becoming significantly less religious. They're drifting away from churches. They're praying less, and they're less likely to say religion is very important in their lives. For the first time in Gallup polling, only a minority of adults in the United States belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. Most of the research is on Christians because they account for roughly 90% of believers in the U.S. We are currently experiencing the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of our country, says Jim Davis and Michael Graham in their book, The Great Dechurching. Why should people go to church if the churches are afraid? If the churches are afraid of death, which they're there to preach against, why should people go to those churches? All right. Jonathan Haidt notes that the rapid decline in mental health among young people took place first and fastest among young liberal women. The charts he displays are dramatic. Young, white, liberal women are far more likely to answer yes when asked the question, has a doctor ever told you you have a mental health condition? So you start to get the picture here. Women are more risk-averse, single women are more neurotic and frightened, and single liberal white women are the most neurotic. Here is Matthew Iglesias. He says, I'm increasingly convinced that there are tremendously negative long-term consequences, consequences, especially to young people, coming from this reliance on the language of harm and accusations that things one finds offensive are deeply problematic or even violent. Men don't say, I agree, I know what you're saying is true, but I didn't like the way you say it, right? That's women, women say that words are hurtful. To see threats everywhere, to tell people there are threats everywhere, threats from the sunshine, threats from the, the uh, invisible diseases, threats from white supremacists, threats everywhere, fear everywhere, is to, is to create neurotic, fearful, single liberal women, because the liberal women are the ones who are listening. Here is Michael Barone again. Now listen to this. This is the this is the turnaround. This is what I'm talking about. The exit poll in the almost even 2022 House race. Republicans won the popular vote 50% to 47. The exit polls show that married men voted 59 to 39% Republican, more freedom, less fear. Unmarried men also went Republican by a smaller but significant 
52% to 45% margin. Married women also voted Republican by a 56 to 42% margin, which is a landslide. So why was the election so close? Because unmarried women favored Democrats 68% to 31%. Married men and married women both made up 30% of the electorate, but there are a lot more unmarried women voters, 23% of the electorate, than unmarried men, 16%. That reflects not only the fact that of longer female lifespans, but also female dominance in higher education with women making up 60% of college. Now, finally, so you produce more neurotic single liberal women, their big uh, appearance in the votes, and they vote for big government because they're afraid. They want to be protected. Now, Glenn Reynolds talks about what is called the Curley effect, and this is something I know about too, but I'll read Glenn, what Glenn says. James Michael Curley, a four-time mayor of Boston, used wasteful redistribution, right, taking money away from the rich and giving it to the poor, to his poor Irish constituents and incendiary rhetoric to encourage richer citizens to emigrate, to leave Boston, thereby shaping the electorate in his favor. As a consequence, Boston went down the drain, but Curley kept winning elections. This strategy is called the Curley effect. This is increasing the relative size of one's political base. This happened in Detroit. This is how Detroit died. It's happening right now in San Francisco. It's happening in Chicago. We talked to Jim Sherlock last week, the former Chicago homicide detective. Chicago is a hellhole. That means the rich move out and the poor are left. And who do the poor vote for? The guys who say, we'll give you money. We'll take money from other people and give it to you until, like in Detroit, the money runs out. And here is Glenn Reynolds' conclusion. Making the populace, especially women, more fearful, depressed, and neurotic is undoubtedly bad for societal wealth and happiness. But does it yield votes for Democrats? Yes. Are they doing it on purpose? Who knows? But it does seem that many of the policies advocated by Democrats and the left tend to promote unfavorable mental states. You know, I often point out the difference. I, You know, I talk so much about my respect for women and the importance of what they do in the world. But I sometimes point out the difference between being womanly and womanish. Womanly means all the feminine things that make world that make the world worth living in. Women's grace, their generosity, their kindness, their sacrifice, their nurturing, their yielding. Things that we're told are bad because they're not hungry for power. And power is everything in a world where there's no God. A womanly woman walks into, you want to see power, see a woman, womanly woman walk into a room. Watch my wife walk into a room. You, Feminists are always saying that women have no power. That's because nobody cares what feminists think. Nobody wants to give feminists power. A womanly woman can have almost anything that she wants. But womanish is the flip side. There's a flip side to everything. And those are feminine traits that are not as pleasant, like being overly fearful, overly emotional, overly unreasonable, overly prone to putting their sense of things over the facts, being so insecure that they don't take responsibility for their failings. Every good quality has a flip side. Those bad qualities are the qualities that come to the fore when women's lives are untempered by marriage and child-rearing. Those are the things that make women womanly, just as marriage and responsibility make men manly. And everything the Democrats and feminists have done is geared toward creating that kind of frightened, lonely, unhappy woman, because that's the person who votes for Democrats. You know, this is, these are the things you got to ask yourself. Who told you there was no God? Where did that idea come from? Why do you think that? Who told you? Who told you that you're not important if you're a mother to just say, oh, I'm just a mother? Who told you you're not the center of the world when you do that? Who told you that when you make a home for people, you're doing the most important thing in society, one of the most important things that people can do? Who said it to you? Find them. Look at them. Is that the person you should be taking your ideas from? Really, I mean, what does he want? What does he gain by telling you those things? When I, I said in the opening of the show that you would be a fool not to be afraid of these people, these people are powerful, they're nasty, they're corrupt, and they're trying to turn you into cowardly women. They're trying to turn men into cowardly women. You would be a fool not to be afraid of them. You'd be a bigger fool to give in to your fear. Our elites are corrupt, our leadership is gone. It's not going to be restored from the top down. We have to restore it in our homes, in our towns, in our states, and then they will come around and be who we need them to be. It starts with God. I'm sorry to tell you this, but without God, we can't win. With God, we won't fail. America will not die because we are America, but we have to be America. 
I've heard that Kansas has just wrapped the 10-part series Convicting a Murderer. You won't want to miss that. It's one of our most ambitious projects yet. You might think you're familiar with the Stephen Avery case and everything that happened in Manitowoc County. This is especially true if you watch Making a Murderer. But it turns out the filmmakers only told you part of that story. Coming soon, Candace Owens will unveil the shocking parts of Avery's story that were omitted in the Netflix series. I'm excited to present the Convicting a Murderer trailer. Check it out. This is a collect call from an inmate at the Calumet County Jail. The man served 18 years in prison until DNA evidence cleared his name. The Two Rivers man was convicted of sexual assault in 1985, but exonerated with DNA evidence in 2003. So this is the infamous Avery Lott. Now, two years later, he again finds himself tied to a police investigation. Accused of murdering Teresa Holbuck on the Avery property. Stephen Avery's 16-year-old nephew admitted his involvement in the rape and murder of Teresa Holbuck. The car is discovered just around the bend. It was just this worldwide phenomenon. I think they framed this guy. I think he intended to crush the vehicle, but ran out of time. Avery thinks the $36 million lawsuit he filed is why he's being targeted in this investigation. 1021 at 24 Main Street. Do we have Stephen Avery custody? Netflix made millions of dollars from making a murderer, but the filmmakers left out very important details. Mountains of evidence that you have not yet seen. The blood vial. The most egregious manipulation from the movie. Interrogations. That's when he started beating me because I told him that he's sick. Cell phones. And I saw melted plastic parts of a cell phone. Interviews. Her arms were pinned behind her head. They made Stephen Avery look like a victim. Do you believe your brother's guilty? I don't know if I'm a suspect. I got on the hide. I'm getting sick and tired of media deception. Evidence piling up. Why would they omit so many different things? Why are you editing my testimony? I am not going to make the same mistake that the filmmakers did. Rearranging the testimony. They delete a portion of it at the end. How could they claim to care about the truth? They all know that Stephen Avery committed this crime. The evidence forces me to conclude that you are the most dangerous individual ever to set foot in this courtroom. To get the rest of the story, you got to watch Convicting a Murderer coming to you early September. This 10-part series is exclusive to Daily Wire Plus, so join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 25% off your new annual membership so you can watch Convicting a Murderer when it premieres. Trust me, you do not want to miss this. All right, you know what? You love it. It's time for Clavin Clapbacks. Woo! I'm so f- scared right now. You <laughs> shut up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. From Cameron, an excellent name. Oh, great and sagacious, bald Gandalf. I must protest your characterization of the National Review as a hive of anti-Trump wasps. You cited the rejection of Oliver Anthony's song, Rich Men North of Richmond. And while I broadly agree with you that there is something to the to the nerve struck by Mr. Anthony, your segment really only portrays NR's writing as that of Mark Antonio Wright and Dominic Pino. NR deserves credit for hosting a wide variety of positions and does yeoman's work in good opinion and criticism of the day's issues. All right, I'm going to give you, uh, yes, I'm going to agree with you. I lost my temper a little bit with this. I, I you know, because they've got, as long as NR has Andy McCarthy and Charlie Cook, they've got two great writers. I mean, two terrific observers and honest uh, writers. However, However, this is the culture, and this is the stuff that they just get so wrong. And I didn't call them anti-Trump wasps. I said that their hatred of Trump had driven them insane, and now they hate Trump's voters. And they're just constantly insulting the people who could benefit from reading Andy McCarthy and Charlie Cook. You know, it's, it's insulting. That song spoke into the hearts of many people. It's also a good song, I think. You don't tell them that what they should think. Don't tell them that they're not supposed to like that song. It's ridiculous, you know? I mean, it's a good song. It's a conservative song. They, these people know nothing about the culture, and, and it makes me so annoyed. But, but maybe I overspoke it, because there are some great writers there. You're right. Uh, from Sarah. Hi, Andrew. My name is Sarah, and I'm a trad wife from Ottawa, Ontario. I'm a big fan of your show. I appreciate your conservative take with a healthy dose of humor. I was listening to Ben's episode of The Search with you recently. We, you were discussing how the intellectual class needs to have some humility and 
recognize the strengths of other people. You commented that a woman with a baby at her breast knows more about something that you will never know anything about. I was quite literally nursing my youngest son as I listened to this, and it resonated with me deeply. It really helped me feel heard and valued for my contributions to my family and society at large. Thank you again for all that you do. It is very much appreciated. I, I love to hear that. Thank you. Uh, ben was, of course, disappointed to find out there was something he didn't know. No, he wasn't. He agreed with me on the spot. <laughs> um, and and that, again, who told you you were unimportant? Look at him. What's he look like? Um, obviously, he looks like a Democrat. Uh, from Andre, I am not necessarily asking for advice, uh, but what am, I am asking for are your thoughts and your best advice on when and where to engage someone who you don't agree with. I will go even one further and ask you what you do when you re- don't really like that person. Well, you know, if I don't like that person, it's very rare. I like most people, you know, but if I don't like a person, I'm probably not going to engage with them at all because what's the point? I'm not going to engage with people if I think it's a waste of breath. You know, I, I, I will say that I disagree. I often say to people, I see this from another point of view. It's only if I think that there is some point in saying things. And the thing you have to do is people with liberal opinions don't know anything. What, what Ronald Reagan said is true. That it's not that they know nothing. It's that everything they know is wrong. You got to not like beat them to death with facts. You have to say, you know, why you see things differently. Don't argue with them about people. Don't say, you know, Trump is good or uh, Biden is bad. Argue with them about principles and say, express why you think things. And if it's not getting you anywhere, let it go. You know, you're not, it's more important to be loving and and friendly to people than it is to convince them of what you need to convince them because it doesn't work. Uh, From James, dear Supreme Overlord Clavin, Bane of Ease and Master of the Multiverse, I'm interested to hear your opinion of fan fiction. Um, You know, I'm I'm not opposed to it in principle. I don't like it myself. I don't like people who write pastiche, you know, who write uh, the sequel to Pride and Prejudice or something like that. But, you know, it can be lucrative and it it can serve people's interests. Um, You know, some people just want to hear more stories about their favorite place, their favorite, uh, you know, venue. And, you know, I have no problem with that. And, of course, it can make people, it's made people a lot of money, um, you know, like when the fan fiction about Twilight turned into Fifty Shades of Grey. I can't say <laughs> I thought that was really good, but it certainly was uh, popular. So, you know, I'm not against it in principle. I just don't like it myself. Uh, if you want to join Clavin Clapbacks, it's Clavin Clapbacks spelled with two Ks, K for Clavin and a K for Clapback at dailywire.com. Clavin Clapbacks at dailywire.com. Let me know if you disagree with me. Let me know if you're correct uh, and agree with me. And become a member at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Clavin at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. And then I will not have to dump you so quickly into the Clavenless eternity, which is coming up just momentarily. It's like a train. It's like a train of blackness. It's like a, just a, a, a locomotive of darkness approaching you if you're not a member. So become a member today. And then next week, I'll be able to give you another you know, 10 minutes or so before plunging you into the darkness. Members. Come on over to Member Block.